Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. So good to see you here. We are speaking about beauty. And this is part of our series on the ABC of WOW. And if you are new to church or this is the first time you're being here, you're thinking, what on earth is he talking about? I've never heard anything about the ABC of WOW. Well, actually, it's our take on the Gospel and essentially Isaiah 61, where the Bible speaks to us about us becoming oaks of righteousness. There's an anointing that releases us and we'll talk about that in a moment, but we become oaks of righteousness for the display of His, God's splendour. So our lives are meant to show off what God can do for somebody. God wants to show you off. And, uh, and so we have been looking at what that means. What does, what does wow, splendour be in wow, God's wow factor? What does that mean? Well, we've taken that and broken it down to the ABC, which is to do with anointing, to do with beauty. And then next week, we will be continuing with creativity. And uh, you can pick up uh, the messages that have already been preached on podcast, but I'm going to launch in with our second week on, on beauty. Last week, of course, we had a phenomenal time with our baptisms last Sunday evening. Wasn't that amazing? We had, we had 17 people baptised here last Sunday night, which was incredible. And, and I think 24 people through the day made a decision for Jesus, which is also very, very exciting, recommitting their lives. Absolutely wonderful. So, the concept here is, is speaking from Isaiah 61 verse 3, which it talks about bestow, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The anointing brings beauty. But how do we define that in regard to our vision, in regard to the way we see the Gospel? Um, beauty is atmospheres and environments, restoring dignity, awakening the soul and speaking to our potential. And Lawrence has always give, already given you a little bit of a heads up because last time we spoke, we talked about the fact that we want our atmospheres to serve us. We believe that, that uh, your atmosphere uh, can work for you or it can work against you. So we were saying that if you went out uh, for a romantic evening, to be under the fluorescent light of McDonald's may not be the ideal environment for that. Uh, you know, that, that environment might be working against you, but then there are other environments that might be working for you. And we talked about, you know, where there's a, an athletics meet and, you know, you've got your triple uh, uh, jumper or your long jumper or your high jumper and they get the crowd. And uh, yeah, come on, let's go for it. Hey! So... The, the, the athlete uses the momentum of the crowd, the environment, the atmosphere to help them do something that they might not ordinarily be able to do. And uh, so we talked, that's just a little bit of a, a heads up in regard to last time. So you feel that you've got a little bit of an idea. We, and we talked about the need for us to create beautiful atmospheres and indeed to help us to encounter God. Because uh, we, you know, we all, we all uh, come from 
living our different lives with our different families and our different challenges and our different jobs and our different pressures. And, and, and we, we, we don't come to church as a blank sheet. We come to church with, with, our, with, our, with uh, all kinds of things on our mind, all kinds of things going on inside of us. And yet we wanna, we wanna help people to encounter God. So we seek to create environments in which it is easy for us to encounter God. And then at the same time, we've got a responsibility to create an environment where someone from the outside who has never been to church can walk in and go, wow, I didn't think this was church. I wasn't expecting this. To to create a a wow factor. Why would we want to do that? Why would we want to create a wow factor? Because that helps us break down some preconceived ideas. And preconceived ideas can rob us of an opportunity to, to, to find God or to engage with God because they provide a blockage. So we, we, we are creating an environment uh, that is helping people break down those preconceived ideas. So that's to do with atmospheres and, 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 and to do with environments. We, we believe that, that, that beauty helps restore Dignity. I'm going to take us on a little bit of a journey to help us grasp a, a concept that we've, I don't know if you've even heard anything spoken about it before. I think it's interesting that the Bible talks about me being given a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The ashes represents the things that have been burnt out and burnt up and, and, and yet the, Isaiah uh, points us to the fact that, that, that Jesus, the anointing that Jesus gives us, gives us a crown of beauty. Thank you. Thank you, Clear. Absolutely amazing. A crown, a crown of beauty. And what I, what I find interesting about that is a crown goes on the head. And I, I wonder if that's, I wonder if that's not an accident. I can see a couple of jealous eyes over here thinking, I'm going to get me one of those. And a crown goes on your head. I wonder if that's because something needs to happen in my thinking. When it comes to beauty, something needs to happen in my head. Almost 30 years ago now, Linda and I went and spent some time in West Africa in Burkina Faso with our oldest two children, Bethany and Aaron. Aaron was only two at the time. And, uh, and at that time, it was the poorest country on earth. And we, we went one day, the, 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 the big chief, there were many uh, chiefs, but the big chief came to the, the area and uh, we went to watch, there was a particular ceremony that happened at the dawn uh, and, and we saw people approaching the chief and as they approached, they, they like put them, they, they dragged themselves on the ground and they picked up the dirt, the, 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 the dry West African dirt and they put it, they put it on top of their heads. And 
That was to communicate. It was to say, we are under the dirt. We, when it comes to you, O chief, we are less than the dirt. And, and I, I was thinking about this picture. This picture came to me, obviously, as I was preparing, because this is so different to the way, the, the, the way God wants us to be. But I do think that some people approach God in this way. What do I mean by that? Okay, we haven't got literal dirt that we pour on our head, but we come, oh, I am a miserable sinner. It's not that I don't accept that God is great and that God is awesome. And, and, and you know, I come before you, oh God, and you are amazing. You are great. You are incredible. You are awesome. But I am just a worm. I'm just a miserable sinner. I am nothing. I, I, and, and, and that is how we engage with God. And I believe that God wants to take that thinking out of our minds because God is great. Sure, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross, what He did at Calvary by, through His death and His resurrection, I am, I am through Him a new creation, a new being. That, 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 I, this, this kind of anointing released to me that, 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 that puts a crown on my head. God wants me, God wants me to to think of myself in a different way. In fact, I believe if you can change your thinking, you can change your world. You see, so much of what we associate with beauty is to do with what I look like or what I see. But, but it's, it's not just to do with what we see, it's to do with how I feel. There's lots of people who we perceive as beautiful who don't feel beautiful. Because there's a world of difference between looking beautiful and feeling beautiful. Yet the gospel message isn't just about looking beautiful. It's about feeling beautiful. And, and, and I, I love the fact that this, this crown uh, comes it, because there's something about wearing a crown. Makes you stand a little taller. I mean, I know that most of us don't walk around wearing crowns, but you might have that outfit that you know that when you wear it, you're looking fly. Mighty fine. You know what I mean? It's like when, when, you, um, when you get dressed up for a wedding or you get dressed up uh, for a job interview, you put something on and, and, and you're wearing that, those clothes that just make you feel a little more confident. See, I'd want to say to you, why don't you wear those clothes more often? Why do we only have to feel like that on special occasions? But I'm going to get on off subject if I start talking about that. But it's about the way I feel. God looks at me and sees me as worthy. He brings dignity. The gospel brings dignity to my life. And in fact, uh, dignity comes from the Latin word dignus, which actually means worthy. I'm not a worm. I'm not a miserable sinner. I'm a new creation, a brand new person designed through Him to show off 
the wow factor of God, to show the world what God can do for a life. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I always get it right, but it just means that God through His Spirit can get hold of me and I'm not doing some of that stuff anymore and I've been set free from that way of thinking and I don't live like that anymore because of what Jesus has done for me. I couldn't have got there on my own. I couldn't have got there through my own effort. It is only through Him and, and, and by the Spirit of God, but because of Him, I can live in a different way. Revelation 1 verses 5 uh, to 6 says to Him, like the second half of verse 5, to Him who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood and has made us kings and priests to His God and Father to be Him, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Man, we have been made people who, who carry power and authority in the name of Jesus. It's not in ourselves, but in and through Him. So through the Spirit of God, our brains can be rewired to think of ourselves, to think of one another and to think of the world in a different way from a godly perspective. Romans 12 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. In other words, don't let the world squeeze you into its mould, but rather let God remould your mind from the inside. The way my mind is remoulded from the inside is the way that I think. And, and at the end of the day, if, I, if my inner dialogue, if the stuff I say to me is over and over, I'm, I'm ugly, I'm worthless. Nobody's gonna like me. Nobody's gonna love me. It doesn't matter how expensive the coat you put on. It doesn't matter how expensive the makeup or how expensive the haircut or how expensive the shoes. It doesn't make any difference to do with that because if my internal dialogue is continually rubbishing myself and putting myself down, then I'm never going to express the kind of beauty that God wants me to understand that is mine through Jesus. I'm going to take off this now. It's a little weird. Getting a little bit attached to it. So there is a divine exchange program where I exchange my old thinking for new thinking to exchange my ashes for beauty that's the that's the exchange I exchange my those tears that I've been crying for joy I ex exchange that spirit of despair for praise God wants us to God wants us not to just look Beautiful in that sense, he wants us, he wants us to feel beautiful. Because when when I feel confident, when I feel beautiful because of what God has done for me, I'm gonna live my life in a very different way. I'm gonna actually treat other people in a very different way. Because I, I I'm not feeling quite as in competition with those around me when I know that I'm worth something, when I know that God's got me, when I know that He's gonna make away. Somewhere along the line, we have to 
understand that life is too short for us to close ourselves off from beauty. So many of us don't consider ourselves worthy of it. It's like, yeah, it's, it's okay for you, but for me, don't, don't worry about me. Don't, don't bother about me. I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm cool. Some of us, we've got, we've got stuff in our cupboards and our drawers. It's not that we haven't got some beautiful things, but we're always saving them. It's never, it never seems right for now. I never feel good enough now, maybe, maybe there'll be a, an occasion. Maybe there'll be something. You know, I remember hearing a sad story of a, of, a, of a man who sadly lost his wife and it came to that point where he was clearing out her stuff from the wardrobe and he came across a dress that he bought her many years earlier and she'd never worn it. It was a beautiful dress, but he'd never seen her in it because she was always waiting. The, the occasion right now was never good enough. It was, there was always going to be a better moment, but the moment never came. And I, I mean, I heard that story years ago, but I find it very sobering because I know that every one of us, we have the capacity to put off our happiness. You know, so few, uh, we're always going to be happy when you, 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 you're going to be happy, you know, maybe happy when I get that car or happy when I get that house or, you know, happy uh, when my child's walking or, you know, I read something the other day, you know, you, you spend the first three years so excited about your child learning to walk and learning to talk. First three years, oh, oh they look at the talking, said the first word, oh, oh, look, they're walking, they're taking the first steps, it's amazing, it's amazing. And, and then you spend the next 16 years time to sit down and shut up. <laughs> I will be happy when I get on holiday. I'll be happy when I've lost the weight. I'll be happy when I get promotion. But God wants us to be happy now. You know, we, we can learn, we can learn to be grateful. Knowing who our Father is, knowing that He loves us, knowing that He's blessing us. We've got to learn to be grateful for the things that we have. It does not mean that our life is perfect. But sometimes we spend so much time focusing on what we don't have that we miss what we do have. And there's some good things that we can do to take a moment to just say, thank you. Thank you for my health. Thank, find, find the good things to be grateful for. Because God wants us to be happy. The joy of the Lord should be our strength. We should know a peace that is beyond understanding, guarding our hearts and our minds, being confident of this, that what God has started in our lives, He will finish. If God has started it, He will bring it through. God will not leave you hanging. He will give you the breakthrough that you long for. We have to we have to, I believe, create moments of beauty, create occasions. We, we, we sometimes sit and wait for this stuff to come to us. And this is where it's a challenge for me because when we're talking about the ABC of wow, it doesn't just slice up like a cake. And, and, and I'm speaking about creativity uh, next week, but I can't not speak about creativity when I'm talking about beauty because God, God has empowered us to create 
beautiful moments. God, God does not want us to live our lives with the good stuff in the cupboard. You know, years ago, we made the decision that, you know, I noticed we used to have a, you know, we, we still do, but we have people around to the house and, you know, you've got that stuff, you know, the, the good stuff that you get out, the, 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 the best knives and forks and the best plates. And, and, and you know, it's like when, when you see that stuff on the table, then you know that somebody is coming around. It's like if the kids walk in and they didn't know someone was coming around and then they see the table laid like that, they say, who's coming around? Because they know that that's not normally for them. And actually that was a problem. Because I came, I came to the point of understanding that why do we only get that stuff when other people come? We, 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 we made a point of, of, you know, not every time, but just we'd have, we'd have family meals where we got out the nice stuff and we'd, we'd, we'd lay, we'd put a candle there and we'd actually dress up for the family meal. Go and, go and put some nice outfits on and, and, and sit down. And you know what? The reason why we've probably hammered too much the beans on toast, but the point of that is to help us to understand this is not about how much money you've got. You know, well, yeah, I'd be able to do all that if I had the money. It's nothing to do with it. It's, it's, it's having the ability to create a moment with what you've got. Every one of us, every one of us can light a tea light. You know what I mean? It's like you can, you can create a moment, create environments for the family that bring joy, honour and empower. Now, I mean, I've got to say, that sounds all very holy and very lovely. I mean, we, if you are anything about the Baxter household and Baxter mealtimes, then there's a whole heap of banter and not all of that is holy. But anyway, you know, it's there. But, but, but it's also been environments of engagement and of conversation where we've talked about stuff. You know, it's, I, I want to encourage you if, you, if you're a family here today, don't just eat your meals round the TV. You know, actually, actually lay the table. Sit around the table. It's, you say, oh, it's, you know, it's a long thing, man. I'm, I'm tired. We just want to eat and, you know, put the stuff away, get the kids to bed and then I can just... No, it's, you know, oftentimes it's the only significant moment that you can spend together as a family towards the end of the day. So make the effort. It's worth the effort. Sit around the table. Turn off the TV. Make the table a no phone zone. Leave your phone away. It's not the time to sit looking at your screen and do something radical. Talk to one another. Listen, it's not always perfect. I can't even begin to tell you, you know, the times where I've said, you know, so Joe, what did you do today? Nothing. Sorry, could security just come and deal with this issue on the front row? It's, it's you know, like it doesn't always go well, but, you, but there have been other times when you, you almost surprisingly, something significant and deep comes up. And oftentimes it's because you've, you've fought through. It takes a bit of effort because you've got to make these things happen. 
But I, I, I believe far better to make it happen than sit around waiting for it to happen. You're not always going to feel like it. I describe some of this like I described my morning run. Like nine times out of 10, I don't feel like doing it. But when I've done it, I'm glad I did. And it's true with some of this stuff. Nine times out of 10, you won't feel like doing it. But if you just go that extra mile, just put that bit of extra effort in, you will be glad you did. We have the power to transform our beans on toast moments to a banquet. We have the power to change that car journey into an adventure. We have the power to transform our bedtimes into fun. And I say that because too, too many of us allow our environments to dictate to us the way we live. Bedtime becomes a time of dread because you know that everybody's gonna be kicking off. But I wanna say, I'm prophesying to somebody that right now in Jesus' name, bedtime can be a time of fun where, and you get what you want. But it might need a little bit of thought and creativity. And God is well able to help you with that. I love some of the thinking. There's a guy called Bill Strickland. I don't know whether you've heard of him. He's an author and a philanthropist. He built a, a, a job training centre in Pittsburgh, um, Pennsylvania. But the, the, the thing is, he wrote a book called um, Make the Impossible Possible. And it was just intriguing. This man is not really a Christian as far as I know, but he had just an approach to the fact that he used the arts to reach the poor, the poorest of the poor and at-risk youth. And uh, he said this, he said, my view is that if you want to involve yourself in the lives of people who have been given up on, you have to look more like the solution than the problem. Now he's talking, he's not talking to us particularly, but I wanna say, as those of us who know and love Jesus Christ, we need to look more like the solution than the problem. Because I'm sorry, I'm not really, but I feel like if I say I'm sorry, then I'm sounding at least a little bit more polite. But you know, like some people, you know, you're going around saying, come to Jesus and you can be just like me. I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, you know what? I think I might be okay. I think I might be fine. Because if we're going to be going around saying, come to Jesus, then I want to say that we should look a bit like that we've been impacted by Jesus. We should look like that our lives have, had, have received a bit more solution than we have problem. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying that we have to be perfect people, that we've got it all together because we're certainly not. But I think that at least we should look like we're emerging from something that we've got a story of how God is helping us, that we've got a story that, that, that He's helping beauty to uh, replace the ashes of our lives. And that's why, that's why we work so hard on our environments because when, when we, this is why we do what we do. If you'd been um, to team prayer this morning, you would, be, would have been singing, this is why we do it. That's a story in itself. My wife led the prayers. It was awesome. But, but the point is that we, when, we, when, we, when people who are far from God come into this place and come to encounter us, I want them to walk into an environment that looks like 
it potentially could be a solution. That's why we put so much effort in regards to you coming in from the car park that you get a great welcome even from the car park as you walk down the corridor. If you pop into the loo on the way in, you're gonna go, oh wow, what? this is amazing. They've, they've put some effort in here. Environments of beauty, environments which show people we care about them even before they get in this room. And I think that that is the gospel. It's creating an environment. We're saying, hey, listen, this is... This is what God can do for you. You know what? I never used to care about this stuff. I never used to think about this stuff. My family never used to think about that stuff. But Jesus has changed me. And I know that this stuff counts and, and, and it makes a difference in people's lives. Beauty awakens the soul. A bit like the prince who came and kissed Sleeping Beauty, if you know the fairy tale. She'd been sleeping for a hundred years. And, and I, I, I feel that sometimes, you know, we need the Prince of Peace. The, the, the church has been sleeping for a long time at least, maybe even a hundred years, I don't know. The church has been sleeping and we need the Prince of Peace to come and kiss us again so that we awake. Because sleeping beauty was alive, but she was asleep. And I think too often the church has been alive, but it's been asleep. And it's time to wake up because we've got something incredible to contribute to the world. And I want to say that whilst we want to create environments where people feel special, I want to say that it, it is only the beginning. Because there's, there's something wrong, you see, if, how can I put it? Let me say it like this. We, 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 many of us like to do things that make us feel special. I don't know, a little bit of retail therapy, you know, maybe a visit to the spa. I don't know, something that, you know, I don't know, you go and play football once a week or whatever. I don't know, something that, that, that feeds your soul. And I want to say there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, even to some extent coming to church. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that at all. But what I'm saying is that, that, Doing those things can never fill the hole in your soul if Jesus has never healed it. Because it doesn't matter how good a time I had at church this week, unless Jesus has done something in my soul, I'm gonna come and need a top up again. Or I'm, it doesn't matter how many times you visit the spa or how much shopping you do, it's never quite gonna do it because it's Jesus that heals my soul. He's the one who deals with the emptiness. And, and he, he puts a crown of beauty on my head so that, so that something happens inside me that if I get that stuff, great. But the source of me feeling enough, the source of my beauty is Him. He's the one who puts a crown of beauty on my head. He put it there. And that, that, that crown represents what, is, what has happened through Jesus. It doesn't make it happen. What do I mean by that? The crown is proof that I'm a king. It doesn't make me king. That has already taken place. I wear the crown 
of beauty because it represents what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. He has taken the ashes of my life and exchanged them for something beautiful. And, and, and in so doing, He is restoring dignity to my life. See, I, I think that, that essentially, I don't think people care what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you live in or, or you even what to some degree, what kind of job you've got. So we, we, we look at those things from a worldly point of view and we think that they are the signs of success. But the truth is, there are people with big houses and there are people with fast cars and there are people with great, great jobs who are a mess. They're broken people. Their skill set, their talent may have gotten them somewhere, but, but they are broken people. I think what people are looking for, they are attracted to wholeness. Not someone trying to be whole, not someone trying to sound whole, but there's just something. When, when I'm whole on the inside, people, there's just, people will know there's something. They will, be, they will be attracted to it. They will be attracted to Jesus in me. And I've always been fascinated by that fact that there's no doubt Jesus without, was without sin. He was the, the, the holiest man who ever walked the face of the earth and yet sinners followed Him everywhere. That, that, that so great was the love that even though, even though there would have been something, when they get close to that holiness, They'd have felt a bit uncomfortable, maybe felt a bit unclean because they were coming with their issues. But there was just something so amazing about being with Jesus. I, the love more than compensated for the little bit of feeling uncomfortable. And I think that, that God wants us to understand that we are, we are carriers of Him. And if we're carriers of Him, we're carriers of that love. And, the, and the ultimately, sure, will some people be repelled by what we carry? Well, they were, they were repelled by Jesus, no doubt about it. But there were many who were attracted to what He was carrying also. And they pressed through the crowd to get to Him. And, 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 and I, I know that when we're truly carrying Jesus, people will press through the crowd to get to us. They will see that He has taken our ashes and exchanged than for something beautiful. One of the thing, the intriguing things about Bill Strickland, and, and he, he built this centre um, for unemployed people. There was such chronic unemployment in Pittsburgh, such poverty that he decided to do something about it. And... Uh, one of the things did he, he he put a lot he actually bought art and, and got people to donate art and because he wanted everywhere that people looked for beauty to be looking back at them because there's something about that that speaks to my soul there's something that that tells me I'm somebody you know we saw it there on what heart Nottingham and, and, and say families did you you when we saw what happened to, to, to that lady when, when her home was transformed. 
tells, it says that, I, you know, I, we have cried. We, we sat there and we caught, we, we, we were cold. We sat there and we cried. But now, because of the love of Jesus, look, look, what, look what is around me. And, and you know what? The thing is this, that as, as of now, we don't know that this lady has said yes to Jesus yet. And from that point of view, that's fine. It's not about us doing this for you and oh, and by the way, you better start coming to church and you better start, you know. No, it's not. It's just let, let the love speak. Let the love speak. Let the love do the job. It's enough. It's enough. We'll, we'll leave you to you and the Lord. One of the things that, 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 that Bill did was uh, he, in this centre was that he, he, most out of character, uh, produced great food. And um, what I talk is, I mean, like really good food, beautifully presented to poor and unemployed people. And he said this, he says, I wanted to take the stigma out of food. Good food is not just for rich people. Good food is for everyone on the planet. It's good for their stomachs, but it's even better for their heads. I thought that's so powerful. Because we want, we want to help change people's minds and the possibility of, the, of, of what can be experienced in life. He believed that the quality of the food and the presentation of the food spoke like we believe our atmospheres and environments speak and contributed to restoring dignity. And even though this man wasn't really a follower of Jesus, we, we, th- that is a very biblical concept. We, we read in 1 Samuel 25 of how Abigail used food to appease King David's wrath against her husband, Nabal. We see that Queen Esther actually used food to, to turn the hearts of the king. Jews, Jesus used food to bond with His disciples and used that, used, then used that as an environment to teach. He did miracles with food, loaves, fishes and wine. And Jesus, we're going to break bread shortly, but Jesus even used food and drink as symbols of remembrance of Himself. And He remind me, reminded me of this, uh, we haven't got time to read it right now, but it reminded me of how after His resurrection, Peter and John and a couple of the other disciples have been out once again all night fishing and they had not seeing the results that they anticipated. And, and Jesus called out from the shore, put your nets on the other side. And they did. And they caught a big, a big catch of fish. And John said, it's the Lord. See, there are some things that happen in our life. We just, it could only be God. When Peter heard this, he got out of the boat and, we, and he, he ran to the shore. And there Jesus on the shore had prepared bread and fish. And I don't know about you, and call me a little bit crazy, but I just found that so wonderful that God baked bread. Jesus, the Son of God made breakfast. I don't know, I think that, that breakfast must have been pretty amazing. That, that bread, mm, that fish, yo, it would have been awesome because if God does something, He does it really well. And I love it because it wasn't 
just about food. It would have been good because they've been working all night. I'm sure they were hungry. But Jesus had something else in mind. It was an environment of restoration because Peter had denied him. And there was a distance between them. And Jesus had prepared a meal where Peter and his relationship could be restored. I don't know whether there's someone here today who you feel that there's a distance between you and the Lord. There's a distance in your relationship. And God wants you to know that just in the same way He treated Peter, He didn't come and judge him and point the finger. He, in an environment of love and acceptance, He restored Peter. There was something powerful about that moment. There's something powerful about moments where we create, and we're going to talk about this next week, but, but it reminds me of a, of a, of a story uh, that I heard, a true story. This is not, uh, uh, I'm telling the truth now, I'm not just preaching. Um, uh, there was a, a woman, 80-year-old woman, who every Friday, she baked bread. She got up. Hey, listen, it's hard work to knead dough. But at 80 years of age, she got up and she, she needed dough and she made bread. And every Friday, people gathered at her home to eat the bread that she had baked. They gathered around and, and at first people just popped in, but then they intended to pop in. And soon there was a whole crowd of people who week in, week out gathered around this old lady. And I, because there was bread there and, and they knew that when they turned up, they were not only going to find the smell of fresh baked bread, but they were going to find community. They were going to find friendships and they could have a cup of tea, a catch up and eat baked bread. And, and I just, for me, and again, you might call me crazy, but you see, I think that that same God who <laughs> baked Bread on the beach that day is the same God who was in this 80-year-old woman just showing Himself through her gift. It seems such a simple thing to do, to, to make bread, but around that bread, community gathered and there was family as she released her gift and I want to say to us that I truly believe that as we release what God has put in us, and I'm going to be talking about this over the next couple of weeks, but people will gather to what God, the gift that God has placed within us. Because God has put beauty in every single one of us. And every single one of us has the power and the capacity in so many different ways to produce something beautiful. We're going to be preparing our hearts in, in just a moment for the breaking of bread. But I just want to take a moment first of all to remind us what Jesus did. 
You see, in order for me to wear this crown, Jesus had to wear another crown, a crown of thorns. In order for me to receive something that makes me beautiful, he, made, he wore something that made him ugly. He took on a crown of thorns and he took on the sin of the world. And I wanna say to you today that I think most of us in this room have some hopes and dreams about the possibilities of the future. And this is the wonder of what Jesus does for us because we aren't just talking about religion and we're, we're talking about you living the fullest, most beautiful, incredible, wonderful life that you could ever live. And the wonder of Jesus is He, want, he wants that for you more than you want that for you. And by, through and by His Spirit, He will give you that ability. But you have to hand over the keys of your life to Him. You can continue to struggle alone. You can keep trying to make it happen on your own if that's what you choose. And, and God Himself allows us that choice. But, but when He died on that cross more than 2,000 years ago, it was, it was to let you know that I love you this much. I love you. And I'm doing this not to give you religion. I'm doing this to give you hope and freedom and liberty. I'm doing this so that you can be the person you were born to be. I am you so you can be the person that I put you on the planet to be. Will you come to me? Will you accept this gift of freedom? Will you accept this gift of love? Because I want to exchange beauty for the ashes of your life. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.